Tuesday. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hunt. The world of technology and healthcare ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways, which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we're doing a, we're going to be talking about consumerism. Is it good for business and bad for health? A hot topic coming out of the CES conference in Las Vegas. So be sure to follow us, the show on Twitter at, at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 14 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. Ready to talk some consumerism, Colin? Yeah, no, I'm excited to kind of get your thoughts on CES 2020 and kind of what you saw there. And yeah, put it in the context around this lovely buzzword that we have for 2020, <laughs> which is consumerism. You've never been to CES, right? Uh, no, well, come to I have the not been. Of tech. <laughs> I've never been. I, I would like to go sometime, but I'm also kind of scared with that many pavilions and things. I'm not sure. 170,000 people, like it's just, it's hard to process. But, you know, I think I've been 14 years, 15 years. It's insane, and especially how it's evolved. Well, you know, we were talking just, uh, you know, before we started the recording about how it's hard actually to be impressed, uh, just given that you've been to that show so many times and you go to hymns and you go to, we go to so many conferences together. But, you know, was there anything in particular, John, that, that stood out for you this year from CES? Yeah, so I think it is true. We're so deeply ingrained in the industry that it's hard to impress us because we stay up on it so much. But I think what one thing that was impressive, and it started last year, but this year it was everywhere, was really the indoctrination and incorporation of the voice assistant. Obviously, Amazon Alexa and Google Home are the two biggest ones. Mm. I mean, it was everywhere. Like Google literally had Google people with Google outfits on. They had these painter outfits or something that I'm not sure about that choice. But anyway, you knew that that was the Google Home expert in whatever other booth it was. So, you know, they certainly had made an investment. And, and all of these companies were wanting to integrate with Alexa and Google and, uh, and provide their technology or access to their technology through these voice assistants. So I think that was one powerful trend. I think the other trend that's interesting is seeing how many copycats there are. So when I first started coming to HIMSS, there was no healthcare. I found oh, one mean, little ball. CES. CES, not HIMSS. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm so used to hymns. <laughs> hymns on the mind, I guess, and it's already like how many months out? But yeah, at CES, when I first went, there was almost no healthcare. I right. found one little like exercise ball thing that was like kind of healthcare. There was almost nothing. And then we started to see a few sensors. We'd see an activity tracker like the Fitbits and, and those of the world and the iHealth had one and a scale, right? Why the inside a scale? And then now we've just seen an explosion but what's interesting is that so much of it is still the weight, blood pressure, ECG, <laughs> fitness tracking, sleep. Uh, there was something interesting. I was impressed by Wythings, uh, which, you know, it's nice that they rolled off on their own. They've done some creative things since going off on their own again. And they incorporated a pulse oximetry SpO2 sensor into their watch that allowed them to be able to do some screening for sleep apnea. 
Mm. So it was really impressive to, you know, oh, my watch could screen for sleep apnea, which is such a big deal for so many people. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I asked my expert, I said, is that a good screener? And they said, yeah, Pulsox is a, a reasonable screener for sleep apnea. Plus, the best part of their watch is it actually charges for 30 days. So, uh, you wow. know, we're, we're sick of charging our watches because the watch you just keep on. You just want to wear it. But every 30 days, yeah, I got a shower so I could plug it in. When, yeah. And so I think it's interesting, uh, you know, that some of the evolutions there. There was another one from Bosch that was super interesting. I have no idea what they were doing at CES, but they had this uh, pathology AI engine that would read pathology slides. And uh, <laughs> so you can imagine the slide going in and being read. Like I said, I don't know why they were at CES, but, you know, it, it's definitely a, an interesting technology. And it was awesome that I was able to meet them there. It's actually that one to me is probably the most impressive of what you just talked about because, you know, that is super clinical, right? Like that reading a reading a slide is not sort of you know, it's not sort of what you think about alongside a Fitbit or even alongside the traditional stuff that's shown at CES, right? Like all the stuff in the kitchen and like that is um, to me that just shows there must be an audience or there must be a belief that there's an audience for that kind of stuff at CES or frankly, the, the press and the media coverage is just worthwhile doing that kind of stuff there because, uh, you know, it just hopefully you'll get seen. But that's because that's that's the kind of stuff that you typically see at HIMSS, right? Like and health. It's not the stuff that you think of when you think about CES, like a consumer oriented show. Definitely. And I'm sure Bosch had other things. So I saw him at CES unveiled. And so they probably had other consumer oriented sure. things, but they're like, this is our really cool stuff. The other interesting one, I, I also met with uh, Sykera, who does a digital voice assistant for doctors to do the clinical documentation. And it was interesting. I was like, what are you doing here? But they actually did meet a lot of innovation officers from health systems and, and potentially really? some capitalists. And you know, I was talking with them and uh, the people from a drug company, I think it was GlaxoSmithKline, came by and wanted to talk to him and said, hey, we represent providers, so we want to know what we can do to help providers. So it was pretty interesting to see people like that, which is like, that's not really a CES crowd, but they certainly had a lot of booth traffic. <laughs> and I wonder if that's actually, that, again, you hit on something that I thought was pretty cool there. I wonder if, you know, people do go to CES to get inspiration, right? Like, you know, do the CIOs or CMIOs or people who are building the products in health IT, you know, do they go to CES as sort of like the uh, smorgasbord of to get thoughts and ideas and new ways of thinking, new UX ideas and, and design thoughts. So uh, that would be pretty cool, too, to see CES used in that way. They do. Plus, you know, I was like, yeah, you probably also got a lot of people who came by and were like, oh, yeah, my dad or my brother or my best friend is a doctor. I should tell him about this. And it's like, that might be as valuable as anything. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, so John, you know, let, let's get into the meat of the discussion. You know, you saw a lot of um, products there. You saw a lot of uh, things probably being pitched in this sort of health and uh, wellness sort of space, uh, even in this clinical space. You know, are these just lipstick on a pig or are they actually going to help solve a problem in healthcare? Well, let's take this two ways. One, I think they will solve, but I don't think they're there yet. Like, I think right now it is lipstick okay. on a pig. And so many of the companies that I saw when I'd say, oh, have you done the FDA clearance? I was talking to one. She's like, oh, yeah, we've done it. I was like, so you're 5010 cleared? Oh, we've done what we need for FDA. And I'm like you're not answering my question, right? Like, 
<laughs> obviously you aren't because if you were you would know this process and you would know the misery that it is and you would be happy to tell me that you went through the 5010 clearance process but the problem is a lot of these you know if you're a fitbit tracker a fitness tracker you don't need to be 5010 clerk because right. it's not actually impacting your health which is actually the point the point is if you're going to impact the health you need to do go through the process and do the clinical trials and do the fda clearance to prove that, that you're effective at it but many of these companies don't want to do that so they hide under this kind of consumer health solution so they can push it out without having to do the work mm. and is, is that sort of uh and do you think that that's sort of where we're kind of going with this john that you know do you, do you see them kind of investing in this work was it even on their plans or is it more no you know what they're happy just sort of playing in this sort of periphery space not having to go through that hard work yeah you do see more and more starting to do it and mm, understanding okay. that they need that capability so i think we will see it it probably will be the larger players though you could even see the larger johnson and johnson's and big companies like that getting into it because they already have that capability they know the process to go through with the fda so once we have something that actually provides clinically relevant results it makes sense let me give you another example of where it's like, oh, this could be a really incredible consumer health product, but man, it still feels kind of early. And that was a whole series of health filters. I know uh, my friend runs a company called Phone Soap. They came out with Air Soap, which was an air filter. And you know they're becoming filterless. And I wrote about some of those on healthcareittoday.com as well. And there was another one that did odor. It could even do formaldehyde. I mean, these filters are getting really impressive. But the one that impressed me most was an air filter where they said, oh, we're, we're doing the, we're filtering your house and it's filterless. You don't have to deal with all that, which no one wants to deal with. But then we started a discussion and said, well, you could actually tell me what the quality of the air is in the home. They're like, yeah, definitely. And they're like, we actually take from the satellites, which are doing the air outside of the home and telling us what the air quality is outside the home. And we're using that to make our air filter better inside of the home in order to improve the health of the people in the home. And I'm like, wow, how fascinating is that? I mean, essentially it's social determinants of health. What if you had all of those air filters telling you the quality of air in your home and the insurance company can give you a discount on your health insurance because they know that you're living in an environment that has that's free of contaminants and will get you sick. Huh. But, you know, I think that's early on and that's pretty big vision thinking but you know like that's a pretty fascinating way to look at it if they are able to do that i mean you could see a health insurance company paying for these air filters for consumers that would be a powerful thing because they want to improve your health so that they don't have as much cost gotcha gotcha no i you know i took this question and this sort of topic you know in a slightly different way uh, which is good you know it's like it's nice that we get different perspectives right john like i look at it as you know are we i'm a bit concerned that maybe we're putting a little bit too much focus on the frills and the features of consumerism and not actually what we really are trying to do which is improve and make healthcare better from the patient's perspective right like we talk about things like you know to me for example being able to book an appointment online that's a consumer-like feature that we all want it makes everyone's life easier uh, it makes the patient's life easier. It can improve the business of the doctor and so forth. Like to me, perfect. That's a great example of taking something in the consumer world, bring it to healthcare. 
but I've also seen a lot recently around things like, oh, we can have a better interactive screen inside the waiting room where you can play messages and teach people while they're waiting for you. I'm like, yeah, why don't we just eliminate the waiting? Like, I don't want to watch TV. I don't want a better interactive device. I want to meet with my doctor more and let's work on that. So. I worry, I'm a bit worried that some of the trends that we're heading towards is really like, okay, like we're not really going after the problem. We're really just sort of putting that lipstick on that pig. We're just sort of like, now we're just sort of taking the, the frilly parts of consumerism and bringing them to healthcare just for the sake of saying, hey, we're sort of patient friendly. Um, that's what I worry about when I think about consumerism taking a little bit too far in healthcare. Now, I don't think we're there yet, but I'm starting to see some of these signs when some of the, the, the tools and solutions that some of these folks are coming out with. Well, and I would describe another challenge, which is how do you bridge the gap between what's happening in the home and what happens in the healthcare organization? So, you know, it's great that you're doing all those sensors, but I didn't see any solutions that were really pushing it to the provider or that the provider would really care about it, the doctor would really care about it, the health system would care about it. So I think that is a challenge. And, you know, maybe CES isn't the right place for that. But there's all these solutions that are really interesting that are pushing into people's homes. I saw a whole bunch of mirrors. Smart mirrors seem to be a powerful approach as well. Certainly, there's some consumer aspects to it where, you know, obviously you want to use it as a mirror and you want to overlay makeup or different things like that. But there's health aspects where it's reading your blood pressure, it's doing your heart rate, it's doing all of those things. But is that really beneficial, you know, or... Should you tie that smart mirror into your notifications and reminders for your drugs? I think right. it's going to happen, and that could be valuable, but it's still a ways away, and that certainly feels like a premium product. I'm not sure it pushes down to the person who can barely afford a home, let alone a smart mirror. <laughs> smart mirror. Hey, listen, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with my friend John Lin and myself, Colin Hunk. Yes. So as we take a little break here, I want to take a minute to give a shout out for a newer book that our friend Jane, she's known as at Healthy Thinker on Twitter. She, she came out with this uh, a book. It's called Health Consuming from Health Consumer to Health Citizen. Her book was actually one of the CES book club books that Gary Shapiro, the the president and CEO, I forget exact title of CES, but he's in charge of CES. He has a book club and hers was one of the, I think like 10 books that were featured. So it was really impressive that a health consumer book was part of the book club at CES. So check it out. As a health economist, Jane really has her touch on the pulse of healthcare consumerism. You can find it pretty much wherever books are sold. So just search for health consuming and uh, you'll really enjoy the insights she had. And, you know, she really gave me some insights just talking to her. Uh, yeah, I sat down with her. Uh, it seems like our, our annual meeting. Uh, we always find each other in the press room at CES and Man, she, she's pretty bullish on what's happening with health at CES. It was probably half of the SANS this year, and she said next year it's moving to the main convention center. So they're going to move the health wow. into the main convention center. So it's going to take even a bigger stage. That will be fun to watch. Well, and that brings us actually to our next question, John, or to the question I want to ask you is, you know, um, where are we heading? What trends are you seeing based on what you saw at, you know, this CES and prior CESs? You know, where are we going in terms of consumer-like conveniences in healthcare? Yeah, so, I mean, we have two pressures, and they seem far away. I think on the one side, we see the pressures you talked about, which is, man, 
you know, why am I waiting in the waiting room? That doesn't make any sense. Our, our friend Grace Cordovano posted a picture 40 minutes looking at this wall and it was a wall with like a, I forget some medical instrument on there and just a blank wall. It wasn't even exciting. There was nothing, no entertainment, nothing. And I said, well, what do we do with cell phones, right? At least she had a cell phone that she could do something with, right? And uh, someone said that's the death of the magazine industry. <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, there's all of these terrible consumer experiences that happen in healthcare. But then there's the other side, which is retail healthcare, which is the home healthcare. And we see the sensors going in there that are telling people all sorts of things. Now, someone else pointed out something really interesting to me at CES. They said, you know, I actually got my, I think this was actually a reporter for Apple. They, she reported on everything that happened with Apple. She's like, I put on my Apple watch. And she said, I'm so notification driven that it notified me, oh, you're healthy. And I was like, oh crap, I didn't, it didn't find anything. She's like, I wanted it to find that I had AFib or something, you know, because it has the new ECG sensor. She's like, I was like disappointed when it's like, nope, didn't find anything. She's like, because you're so used to like, oh, I found you've achieved this 10,000 step goal. Woohoo. It's like, so I, anyway, I mean, there's probably a messaging story there as well, but uh, it was fascinating the, the, her cognitive dissonance with this idea of, nope, didn't find anything. <laughs> so I, and I, anyway, I mean, I think there's this interesting bridge we need to cross between what's interesting for a consumer and what's medically relevant. And I don't think we've quite crossed it yet, but we see people starting to tinker with that. And I think that's when we'll really see it explode. Hmm. You know, one of the, again, one of the things I I'm enjoying about when I look at consumerism is the sort of finally taking the cues from other industries, right? Like the the trend I like to see is the fact that we are looking elsewhere, right, for inspiration, for for ideas, and bringing them into healthcare. And I think that is finally a recognition that hey, there are other industries that have things to teach healthcare, right? Because healthcare is not that much different. At least from a consumer and patient standpoint, on some 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 aspects, than what we want to and expect in our regular day everyday lives. Right? We want to be able to book online. We want to be able to talk to people outside of the four walls. Right? We want to be able to use our devices. And we want to get information and consume it the way we want to consume it. Right? Um, we want to be able to look things up. Like all those things are wonderful things, and and they come from other industries. And so. Healthcare has always been very insular, at least that's the way people have always looked at it, that you know, if it wasn't invented inside healthcare, it doesn't exist. And I think the consumer, right, the consumerism trend, the one thing I like about it is the fact that we are looking outside for inspiration, and that that is very encouraging to me. And I think that there's so many organizations that are going to push it on us whether we want it or not. So healthcare has a choice that they can either get on board and kind of learn these new models and these new consumer-centric approaches to care, or they'll probably get less left behind or replaced. I mean, I think we're seeing some of that, you know, obviously that won't go extend all the way to procedures and it won't extend to some of those things, but to uh, lots of elements of healthcare that are actually probably the most profitable parts of healthcare, uh, they are gonna get eaten up. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's it behooves us all to understand what's happening in this consumer space because it's becoming more of an expectation and understanding the mindset of the people who want that it really matters yeah and i think that's that is one of the more encouraging things to to improve on that john you know taking what 
and really sitting with users and really understanding what they need and want, I mean, that drives the consumer industry, right? You know, we're finally, hopefully, getting to that point where we're doing that with patients and clinicians on the healthcare side to say, okay, let's when we design a product, when we design uh, an IT solution, let's really go and sit with the end users and figure out how they're going to use it before we go off and design it, right? I mean, it'd be unheard of to try and do that and be successful on the consumer side, right? Without the te and yet we do that all the time on the healthcare on the IT side. So yeah, that is definitely one trend I would love to see in healthcare adopt from the consumer world. Um, Let me but, give you two simple examples that I saw. Ooh. One was a, a bath mat, but it's a smart bath mat. And so it's, it, you know, it's the mat that you stand on after you shower and you dry off on and you, you know, it has footprints there. You put your footprints in there and you stand there and it measures your vital and it's measuring all these vitals. Now we could discuss the science behind it and the effectiveness and it, is it measuring the right things, but I love it because it's very consumer centric. You know, you, it just happens. It's invisible. That That's the, the type of that whole invisibles concept around health monitoring and health sensors is just right. powerful. Now the, it, it felt weird when they said, people don't it's too much work for people to stand on a scale this just happens naturally it's like yeah i don't know that that felt a little off but the fact of it, it just happens is a beautiful thing interestingly it even recognizes your foot so we know my foot is different than yours probably by weight by size and everything so it creates a biometric footprint and knows who you are without you having to say okay this is me standing on it versus my wife versus my right. son so that was cool Another one that was interesting was a, a sensor company, and it was really designed for the seniors. So activity, uh, you know, how, how much movement are they doing? Are they sleeping? Are they sitting? Are, you know, all those things that we've seen in a lot of sensors, but they embedded it into a pajama. So the pajamas are what they wear, and they don't have to remember to swap it out. They don't have to charge it. They, you know, and they could actually, you could swap the sensor so you could have two of them. I think it had a battery replacement. I saw one with that, which is interesting. No one did a battery replacement. But it turns out that actually is really valuable for a senior, you know, to be able to do it because they forget to charge it. So anyway, there were some interesting things that were more consumer centric that taught us a lot about what needs to happen. Right. I love it. We're almost at the end, John. So let's talk about this. You know, uh, I'm curious to know, was there anything that you didn't see at CES this year that you hoped that you wanted to? Yeah, so I, I, you know, I mean, we already talked about. It. I'd love to see more bridging of the gap to the provider organization, people brave enough to do that. But you know, one of the most exciting things I saw there was actually the robotics. Mm. It was amazing. I mean, even my son was was like texting me from school. I'm like, shouldn't you be in class? But he's texting me. He said, did you see the the washer that will like wash your clothes automatically? You put them in, it will know what fabric it is. It will know how long to do it, and it will just. It's like a smart dish, a smart. <laughs> washing machine i'm like wow that's crazy that my son's watching this stuff and uh so that was interesting <laughs> of course they already had the folding so all the laundry is going to be done by robots which it's like okay if you can do that with laundry i bet we could apply a bunch of those robotics to healthcare and you know we see some of it i, I wrote recently about omnicell and their robotics in the pharmacy and i think there's more and more places where those type of simple robotics could be valuable in healthcare because it's amazing what they're doing. The number of modalities they have to be able to pick something up, to be able to move a robot, the, the different hinge points that were available that certainly weren't available you know, even a number of years ago is just blown up. So I'd like to see more of that robotics applied to healthcare. 
I, I'm totally with you. You know, it always amazed me, you know, you know, a lot of the uh, nurse injuries, of course, uh, happen when you know, it involves lift, you know, lifting. And, you know, you know, we have, I'll say, pretty crude lifting mechanisms, right, in most places. And yet we have these amazing robots in manufacturing that can lift all sorts of objects and all sorts of different, you know, uh, positions and with certain you know, amounts of care, right? Uh, you know, like you, I hope one day to see the, that kind of technology brought into the healthcare world or applied there uh, at an affordable cost, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We, you know, certainly the robotics were the big buzz. I mean, just in the all the news outlets and everything, we're just focusing on a lot of these robots, right? Um, well, and I'd like to see them in the pediatric units too. There's a lot of fun robots, you know. There was a, <laughs> there was this one I saw that was these battle robots, and so you'd actually use a joystick and battle another robot. You could just see that in a pediatric unit when these kids are <laughs> suffering, and you know they could come and have some fun and at least get, you know connect with someone else who might be dealing with a similar challenge. So there's small other <laughs> things like that as well that I think you can pull out of CES. <laughs> See, that's the fun part of CES that we always hear about, right? Like, you know, like, hey, hey, I want a robot. I want a robot that shoots lasers and you know has a giant hammer on it and battle another robot. The 3D printing was crazy. Even the Bitcoin, the money was there. There, there was so much other stuff, right? That we don't even do the foldable computers. Those were incredible. But you know, like, okay, how does that apply to healthcare? Foldable computers, maybe, right? There's there's some interesting technology there. Even some screens with the touch screens and 3D you know, right. for education right. and different things. But uh, yeah, it, it's fun to go. It's it's a, it's, it's a crazy world. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I think definitely when you look back, like as you just said, you know, historically, you know, healthcare wasn't part of CES. And that, you know, I think we had this podcast years ago, that's probably what we've said, right? Like, hey, how come there isn't any healthcare stuff or wellness stuff at, at uh, CES? Now, you know, hearing about it being on the main stage, how far have we come, right? Where now it's going to be part of the main pavilion in next year and the increasing number of innovations are happening in this space. Uh, you can't help but be excited. Incorporated into cars, it's incorporated into everything. Like, there's little pieces of health and wellness throughout all of it, so it's pretty awesome. How, how how much longer before we don't get a car seat? You know, a, you know, a driver seat, right? That does all the sensors and things in it as well. <laughs> oh, I mean, they, they, they're working on that. There's a lot of them that they see the car as, as the avenue to understand you and have, you know, understand your health. And then when you think about it from a driverless car perspective, it's even more powerful because you right. could do something while you're sitting there. That's right. It's like, you know, hey, you're trying to turn into the McDonald's drive through and it's like, nope, it's not letting you. Sorry. <laughs> based on your, based on your idols, you're just not allowed to go in there today. <laughs> Your life right. will go down by two years if you turn right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You can't do that. Listen, thanks to all of you who tuned in to this episode of Healthcare IT Today. Find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And share your voice and engage with the community at our website, healthcareittoday.com, and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hong, alongside my friend John Lin, an IT collaborator. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.